Deuteronomy chapter 1, and it's found on page 178 in the Bibles in the chairs in front of you. Page 178. Deuteronomy chapter 1. These are the words Moses spoke to all Israel in the desert east of the Jordan, that is, in the Arabah, opposite Suf, between Paran and Tophel, Laban, Hazaroth and Dizahab. It takes 11 days to go from Horeb to Kadesh Barnea by the Mount Seir Road. In the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses proclaimed to the Israelites all that the Lord had commanded him concerning them. This was after he had defeated Sion, king of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon, and Idre had defeated Og, king of Bashan, who reigned in Ashtaroth. East of the Jordan, in the territory of Moab, Moses began to expound this law, saying, The Lord our God said to us at Horeb that you have stayed long enough at this mountain. Break camp and advance into the hill country of the Amorites. Go to all the neighbouring peoples in the Arabah, in the mountains, in the western foothills, in the Negev, and along the coast to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon, as far as the great river, the Euphrates. See, I have given you this land. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore he would give to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to their descendants after them. At that time, I said to you, you are too heavy a burden for me to carry alone. The Lord your God has increased your numbers so that today you are as many as the stars in the sky. May the Lord, the God of your fathers, increase you a thousand times and bless you as he has promised. But how can I bear your problems and your burdens and your disputes all by myself? Choose some wise, understanding and respected men from each of your tribes and I will set them over you. You answered me, what you propose to do is good. So I took the leading men of your tribes, wise and respected men, and appointed them to have authority over you as commanders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and as tribal officials. And I charged your judges at that time, hear the disputes between your brothers and judge fairly, whether the case is between brother Israelites or between one of them and an alien. Do not show partiality in judging. Hear both small and great alike. Do not be afraid of any man, for judgment belongs to God. Bring me any case too hard for you and I will hear it. And at that time, I told you everything you were to do. Then, as the Lord our God commanded us, we set out for, from Horeb and went to the hill country of the Amorites through all that vast and dreadful desert that you have seen. And so we reached Kadesh Barnea. And I said to you, you have reached the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. See, the Lord your God has given you the land. Go up and take possession of it as the Lord, the God of your fathers, told you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Then all of you came to me and said, Let us send men ahead to spy out the land for us and bring back a report about the route we are to take and the towns we will come to. The idea seemed good to me, so I selected twelve of you, one man from each tribe. They left and went up into the hill country and came to the valley of Eshcol and explored it. Taking with them some of the fruit of the land, they brought it down to us and reported, It is a good land that the Lord our God is giving us. But you were unwilling to go up, so you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. You grumbled in your tents and said, The Lord hates us, so he brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go? Our brothers have made us lose heart. They say the people are stronger and taller than we are. The cities are large with walls up to the sky. We even saw the Anakites there. And then I said to you, Do not be terrified. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God, who is going before you, will fight for you, as he did for you in Egypt, before your very eyes, and in the desert. There you saw how the Lord your God carried you, 
as a father carries his son all the way you went until you reached this place. In spite of this, you did not trust in the Lord your God who went ahead of you on your journey in fire by night and in a cloud by day to search out places for you to camp and to show you the way you should go. When the Lord heard what you said, he was angry and solemnly swore, not a man of this evil generation shall see the good land I swore to give your forefathers, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh. He will see it, and I will give him and his descendants the land he set his feet on, because he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. Because of you, the Lord became angry with me also and said, you shall not enter it either, but your assistant, Joshua, son of Nun, will enter it. Encourage him, because he will lead Israel to inherit it. And the little ones that you said would be taken captive, your children who do not yet know good from bad, they will enter the land. I will give it to them and they will take possession of it. But as for you, turn around and set out towards the desert along the route to the Red Sea. Then you replied, we have sinned against the Lord. We will go up and fight as our Lord God commanded us. So every one of you put on his weapons, thinking it easy to go up into the hill country. But the Lord said to me, tell them, do not go, and go up and fight, because I will not be with you. You will be defeated by your enemies. So I told you, but you would not listen. You rebelled against the Lord's command, and in your arrogance you marched up into the hill country. The Amorites who lived in those hills came out against you. They chased you like a swarm of bees and beat you down from Seir all the way to Horma. You came back and wept before the Lord, but he paid no attention to your weeping and turned a deaf ear to you. And so you stayed in Kadesh many days, all the time you spent there. Amen. So good morning. My name is uh, David Barry. I'm the pastor of the church. And welcome. Um, well done, Rona. There's a lot of big words there. <laughs> She's never read her Bible so much, you know. <laughs> it's only teasing, Rona. <laughs> Shall we pray together before we start? Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Thank you, Father, for the negotiations, the dialogue that's happened, happening just now between our world leaders. Thank you, Father, that that has come about, that a pause has happened. And although there are many wrongs in this world, that one seems to be one which many of us feared over. So I thank you for the negotiations between these nations. And I pray, Lord, that they continue to be justice, peace, and righteousness. We thank you for our community, whether here or somewhere else, that you have settled us in. May we be peacemakers in our community. And for gathering us here today, Father, may your kingdom come and may your will be done. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my, my heart be acceptable to you. The Redeemer, King, our Rock, our Saviour, Jesus, we pray in your name and by your Spirit for the Father's glory. Amen. So here we go, Deuteronomy, and nine sermons. And uh, I think what I'll try and do each week for those who are part of the church, Pitlockery Baptist Church family, I will do my best to say uh, in a week in advance 
read these 10 parts of Deuteronomy so that we keep up with the story. And, and Ken alluded to the fact that the first uh, chunk, first four chapters, is a lot about history. Um, <clears throat> and we'll do a little bit of that today. Lovely. <laughs> Don't worry about that, it's great. Um, I've got a microphone, I'll beat you any day. <laughs> um, you go into a synagogue, I've been into one synagogue in my life and it was next to the, uh, the Western Wall, next to the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. And you're given a skull cap and you go in. And when I went there, there was bar mitzvahs happening. It was, it was, there was little sweets being thrown by the women who were in a balcony. And the sweets on them have got a picture of manna, as in manna in the desert, and they're throwing these sweets down. Um, and in the, cent- in the, the corner, there is an ark, uh, and in that ark is the Torah. And you have the first five books of the New Testament, as we would call it, and they are beautiful. The, the actual ark itself is beautifully decorated. In fact, I think I did. It's, here's one example, and a veil may be put over that to cover the ark, uh, to cover the Torah, the instruction which is in here. And uh, they're beautifully ornate, they've got cloth, and there is a way in which the priest or the presiding officer will ask someone to come and, and take the Torah out, and everyone will be asked to stand, he'll say certain words, he'll take it out and he'll pass it to whoever's reading uh, from the scriptures. And again, there's a lot of liturgy and theatre and how they kiss the Torah and place it back in and cover it. And when they open up the scroll, the way in which they identified what book of the Torah it was, was by the first few words on the Torah. So, for instance, we call the first book in the Bible, yes, they don't, they call it in the beginning, for obvious reasons. Uh, and so, when you come to the book of Deuteronomy, they call the, Deuteron- uh, the book of Deuteronomy the, the words, because the beginning is these are the words of Moses. And uh, now, the first noun there is, is words, so that's what Deuteronomy is called within Judaism when they take it out, take out the scroll, the word scroll. And where we get the word Deuteronomy from is when the Old Testament was being translated from Hebrew into Greek. They needed a new word. And so what they did was they took uh, two words, put them together, and came up with the word Deuteronomy. Have I got this up here? Ah, there you are. So they took this word uh, deutero, which means second, and nomos, which means law, and so they called it second law, which is quite an odd thing to call the book of Deuteronomy, but there's, there's reasons for that. If you've read through Deuteronomy any time recently, you will realize that the Ten Commandments are there, but you also find the Ten Commandments in the book of Exodus. They're repeated. And uh, so that's why they call it the second law. It's like the law repeated. And that's where we get the word when they were translating from the Hebrew, looking for a name for this book rather than calling it, these are the words of the words, they called it Deuteronomy, second law, the second law. It's just a wee bit of fun facts. I thought I quite liked that. But why should these Ten Commandments be repeated a second time? And why should the 613 laws of Moses be repeated a second time? Well, there's a clue in the book of Numbers because it tells us that Deuteronomy, this book here, 
was written 40 years after they left Egypt. 40 years after they left Sinai. And during that time, an entire generation had died off. I'll just put everything up. Don't need to keep secrets from you. Uh, during that time, an entire generation had died off. All but a few who came out uh, of the promised land uh, were now dead. And there was a reason for that. Those who came through the Reed Sea, through the Red Sea, those who had heard the Ten Commandments the first time, those who had covenanted with God, we will be your people. These blessings will be on us, amen. But if these curses will be on us, amen. It's a wonderful thing that happened. They, when, when they went back in, I can't remember if I'm going to speak about this in weeks to come, but it doesn't matter if I tell you twice. When they go into the, the promised land, they go to this place which is at the center of the promised land, the, Mount Gerrit. Howard, you might know Mount Gerashim. There's two mountains right in the center. And it's a, it's a wonderful microphone effect that happens. And some of the tribe go up that side, some of the tribe go up that side. And this, uh, say these six members of these six tribes, or the whole part of them, of the six tribes of Israel, another six tribes are over there. They say a blessing from the 613 laws of Moses. They say, these blessings will come upon us if we follow the Lord. And the others on the other side of this valley say, Amen! And then they say, a, a curse that will come upon us if we refuse to follow the Lord in the ways that He has commanded us. And those on the other side go, Amen! And then they recite a curse, and they say, Amen! So going in, this covenant that they made with the Lord all the way back 40 years later, this new generation had to uh, make it themselves because of, uh, and we're going to come to that, because of reasons they died out on the way, and this new generation that Moses, he only had a week in his life to, to live. God had told him he would not enter the promised land, and Moses is thinking, okay, here's a lot of uneducated, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of of mostly people under 40 years of age. There was a few people who were not, but most people under 40 years of age. How are they to live going into the promised land? So Moses had a week to preach, to recite, and to create the book of Deuteronomy, the words. This new generation, 40 years after Sinai, had now to make a covenant with the Lord. What was that covenant? This was part of the purpose of the writing of the book of Deuteronomy. They had to hear the law. They must be given the opportunity to enter for themselves into the covenant. What is a covenant? Relationship. Because we know that God has got no grandchildren. We say that often, or I certainly do. My children, all of them confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They have made their own minds up about that. Three of them up to this point have chosen to be baptized. That was their own choice. Because the inheritance from me cannot pass on to them. Certain blessings can, I am sure. But they must make up their mind about God and whether they are going to step into covenant and to relationship with him themselves. And that was the same for this new generation right at the beginning of the book of Deuteronomy. So Moses had to go through all again. This generation, like a marriage ceremony, had to hear 
the promises and say, we will. Had to hear the vows and say, we will, for themselves, so that they could be the people of God. And so Moses preaches at a particular time in a particular place, and I thank Rona for the excellent pronunciation of all the... Basically, they are east of the, the Jordan, in the east bank of the Jordan, and they are, there's a whole list of towns and villages nearby when 40 years after Sinai, after uh, Horab, and we read here in verse 3, in the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses proclaimed to the Israelites all that the Lord had commanded him concerning them. So these are not the reflections of some wise old man. This is not the thoughts of Chairman Mo, as it were. <laughs> a wee pun in Chairman Mo there. Um, <laughs> they are not Moses's recommendations of how God's people are to live when they eventually step in to the promised land. They're not really, although they are called the law of Moses, they are not the law of Moses, but the laws of God. Again, Moses proclaimed to the Israelites all that the Lord had commanded him concerning them. God is in effect saying in Deuteronomy, as you step into my promise, as you step into my rest, if you want to remain there, this is how you are to live. But yet we know because of unbelief, they're on the edge of the promised land 40 years late. But yet God still has so much for them. And the question for us, the question for them, and now for us all of these years later is this, will we take hold of God's promises? Will we step in to the promised land? And will we enjoy the rest? That's so important. Will we enjoy the benefits of the rest within God? And that's a question, really, it's on my mind as I look at Deuteronomy. And this is everything we're going to do here. Deuteronomy, at this part, encourages God's people to remember what God has done. Moses gives them, right at the beginning, a history lesson. And he does it by looking at three episodes in his life. When they were previously at Sinai, when they were in the wilderness, and when they refused to enter the promised land, and they're broken down in the verses that I've put up there. But when they were camped at Sinai 40 years earlier, they'd experienced God's power. They'd experienced God's glory. How did they experience it, you may ask? Well, in the, were all the plagues of Egypt incredible plagues if you look at them, and how the people would listen to Moses and Aaron and follow them uh, through the Red Sea. That miracle itself with the hundreds, if not millions of people that went through the Red Sea, then killing uh, many of Pharaoh's army at that point. And then when they were camped at Sinai and how Moses went up, even in their unfaithfulness, how God still brought them commands for life. Commands that today have shaped most of the, the, West, the, the Western world and how we govern and how we view and how we live together, the Ten Commandments. They experienced the glory of being adopted into God's family. There was nothing great about you. You were just Jock Tamsin's bairns, but yet I had mercy on you. You were least in the nations, and yet I've given you my favor. 
And they were instructed at that time how to live, not just at a weekend, not just on a Sunday, but how to live daily and to bring that as an act of worship to the Lord. The promised land was right in front of them. And the reality of what Moses is speaking at this new generation about their ancestors, their ancestors, their fathers and their mothers and their grandparents, whatever, they only had 10 days walk before they got into the promised land. They were on the verge of rest, having had hundreds of years of slavery. A small group, Joseph's family, went to Egypt and from that, from those brothers came the 12 tribes and now there were 10 days before they were stepping into what God had promised so much. Have you ever seen a, a huge line of refugees? If not, picture it in your mind. I know there was a famous picture that was used during a certain referendum, and, and it was falsely used. But yet, that image of people just walking and walking and walking. This was the the reality, this was the possibility of what was going to happen with God's people. How were they in such a, such a large group going to organize themselves? How were they to organize the travel? Who was going to go ahead? Who was going to go at the back? Uh, who was going to camp? Who was going to decide who were going to camp? Uh, who's responsible? Is there somebody going to guard the, the camps? All of these practicalities. What if there's problems? What if there's arguments? Well, Moses says this, how can I bear your problems and your burdens and your disputes all by myself? And then he tells him, so this is what I did. I appointed leaders because you were a difficult, difficult people. And Deuteronomy encourages God people to remember what he's done also in the second episode when they were in the wilderness. Let's read uh, verses 9 to 20, 19 to 21. So they're in the, the wilderness. They're, 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 they're just about to step into this wonderful place. Then as the Lord our God commanded us, we set out from Horeb and went towards the hill country of the Amorites through all that vast and dreadful desert that you've seen and so we reach Kadesh Barnea. Then I said to you, you have reached the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. See, the Lord your God has given you the land. Go up, take possession of it, as the Lord, the God of your fathers told you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. So what did they do? They, they, they thought it was wise to, to come up with 10, uh, 12 spies, one from each tribe, 12 men. And so they went in, they were chosen, and they returned telling incredible stories of the bounty of this vast land. And you can read about that in Numbers chapter 13. An incredible land. It says, that, verse 25, taking with them some of the fruit of the land, they brought it down to us and reported, it is a good land that the Lord, our God, is giving us. And in the Israeli uh, tourist um, offices, their, uh, their logo is of two men carrying a huge bundle of grapes. It's from number 13, of the bounty in the land that God had promised his people. And then God had uh, encourages, uh, Deuteronomy encourages God's people to remember what uh, the Lord has done in the third episode when they refused to go into the promised land because this 
excitement, this anticipation was, was short-lived for Moses because the people were paralyzed with fear. Verse 27, you grumbled in your tents and said, the Lord hates us. So he brought us out of Egypt and to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go? Our brothers have made us lose heart. They said, the people are stronger and taller than we are. The cities are large with the walls up to the sky. We even saw the, the Anakites, the Anakites there. And so the, the people are gripped with fear. They can see everything that God has told them about. They can see the grapes, they can see the pomegranates, whatever the, the spies have brought back, the incredible stories. But isn't that the case when you have a, a great day? More often than not, it's one tiny wee thing that it's happened or something that someone said that just bugs you. Even though there's been incredible stuff that's happened, too often or not, we, we focus on the negative. And this negative, this little fear had gripped the entirety of the people. Well, not all of them, but the vast majority of the people. They focused on problems. They focused on the size of the people, the descendants of Anaka, um, the numbers of trites, the Amalekites live in the Negev, Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites, those Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. They focused in on the strength of the cities. They're fortified and very large. You get all of that from Numbers 13. Sometimes we do not move forward. Sometimes we do not realize our heart's desires or realize our vision because we are obsessed with problems. Life is full of problems. We live we die. We get a job, we lose it. We have times of health and sickness. Sometimes our neighbors like us, sometimes they don't. Sometimes our political parties get in position, sometimes they don't, etc., etc., etc. Sometimes we don't move forward with vision or move forward in our life because we're obsessed with our problems and they grip us with fear. Hadn't God said this to them? See, I the Lord God, the maker of heaven and earth, I give you this land. Now go in and take it. Of course he said that to him. And hadn't God also said this to us in Romans chapter 8, 32? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? God will do that. And yet, too often or not, we focus in on the tiny wee things and it just stops us in our tracks. Deuteronomy 1, God's people forgot his promises. God's people forgot how he had brought them out miraculously from the slavery in Egypt, of how God had rescued them through the Red Sea, of how God had met all their needs, the water and food and, and, and all the needs that they needed, even for that short distance. But God's people did not, they were not barred from the promised land per se because of sinfulness, because of even the, the, the calf. No, Scripture says they did not enter the promised land simply because of their faithlessness. For that, we need to read Hebrews, and I'm going to read from Hebrews chapter 3, 
in verses 16, where the writer of Hebrews uses this episode in the history of us, because Israel's history is our history up till Christ. And there's lots to be learned from that. And the writer of Hebrews uses this to speak to us about how we should go and take hold of the promises of God, of how we should remain faithful as he is faithful because of who is making the promises, the Lord God. In Hebrews 3, 16 to 19 reads, Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned whose bodies fell in the desert? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. We do not believe that the Lord can do this. Our faith is lacking. God's people did not trust what he had said Instead, we read back in chapter 1 of Deuteronomy in verse 27, they said, God hates us. And they criticized God. And we are not immune to this either. Verse 12 of chapter 3 of Hebrews, see to it, brothers, we are encouraged, brothers and sisters, see to it that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart. Because God is after our heart. See to it that you don't have a divided heart that turns away from the living God. But do this, encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness, by the circumstances that you are in that try to deceive you to think that God is not for you, but he's against you. We have come to share in Jesus in Christ if we hold, if we hold firmly to the end, the confidence we had at the first. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation and renew a right spirit within me. It's okay to start, but the writer of Hebrews is saying, abide, keep going. And he's not just saying that to a group of individuals, and I will not pick out individual people. He's saying it to the collective. Put Lockery Baptist Church, journey together. Life Home Group, journey together. Discipleship Boys, journey together. And so yet again, I reiterate something that we have made a commitment to a number of years ago. We may have to come back to it. We need to be together in small groups. Turning up on a Sunday does not work. Small groups are vulnerable places to be in. It takes time to trust people. Guarantee if I'm feeling low, one of my small group, one of my discipleship group will notice that I'm just under pressure and they'll, they'll give me a phone, let's go for a walk. And I, oh no, they won't say that. They'll say, can I meet you? And I'm thinking, oh no, what is it now? And I'll turn up and I'll say, what is it? And he goes, oh no, I could notice that you were under pressure. So I've got you out to have a walk. See what my automatic default position? Oh no, what is it? But in reality, my small group, because I've invested in that and they've invested in me, they notice and they're saying, we're on this together. Hebrews is saying that to the church. 
as long as today is today, encourage one another to continue with where you started off. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Because unbelief is a constant and a dangerous temptation. We must help each other. Persevering in faith to the end is a community project. And then as soon as we see that in the wee bit of Deuteronomy there, the wee history part that Moses is going through, as soon as God's peop- uh, God says they may go into the promise, sorry, as soon as God says you may not go into the promised land because of your unbelief, your divided heart, they decide, oh, all right, let's go into the promised land. And, uh, and because of that, it was a rebellion against the Lord. They suffered greatly. And Moses spent so much time at the beginning of this sermon reminding them of, of their failures so that they may learn from the past and not be doomed to repeat them in the future. So there is something we all know. Learn from our mistakes. We all make mistakes. Be in a small group where you can be yourself. Be in a small group where you can say, this is who I am, warts and all. Or a home group, small group. Because um, it's only by doing that that you can really work in things and become more like Jesus. I'm not saying you can't do that on your own, but church is a collective. Church, it's not an individual, you know, sport as it, as it was. I'm going to say one last thing, and it's about this. Deuteronomy not only says, remember these events and learn from them, and then brings application. Moses is, is pleading with this new generation. He also says, enter. Enter into God's rest. Verse 6 of Deuteronomy 1. You have stayed here long enough, guys. Break camp and advance into the hill country of the Amorites. Go to all the neighboring peoples in the Arabia and the mountains and the western foothills and the Negev and along the road and along the coast to the land of the Canaanites, yes, those dreaded Canaanites, and to the Lebanon as far as the great river Euphrates. See, I have given you this land. Go in and take possession of the land that I swore, um, that the Lord swore that he would give to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and to their descendants after them. And in verse 21, of chapter 1 also says it again. See, the Lord your God has given you the land. Go up, take possession of it. As the Lord, the God of your fathers told you, do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. And yet, we read in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 19, they were not able to enter. They were not able to enter into God's rest because of their unbelief. That was a previous generation. This new generation could do it differently. But they still had the choice. They actually still had the choice whether they're going to go into covenant, into relationship, into a marriage, as it were, with the Lord. To make those vows, we will be blessed if we do this, and we will be cursed if we do this. We will have this land for all time. But the only way in which we will live in the land for all time as if we are faithful to the Lord. Because if we are not faithful to the Lord, He will remove us from the land. The promise may still be ours, but we will not be able to realize it. Why? Because of our divided heart. That was Israel. That's the potential, that was the, the, what faced this new generation. But for us, we need to bring it back to us. 
The same thing can happen to those who are born in the Spirit, who are born again, who are disciples of Jesus Christ. To show that we are mere professing Christians, the writer of the Hebrews says this, and I'll just read these out, and I think I've put them all up there. He says, take heed, Hebrews 2, 1, pay the most careful attention to what you have heard. Chapter 2, verse 3, don't ignore so great a salvation. Chapter 3, verse 1, fix your eyes on Jesus. Verse 8, don't harden your hearts. Verse 12, see to it that none of you have a deceitful, unbelieving heart. Verse 14, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. In chapter 4, verse 1, and be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. He's speaking to the regenerate. He's speaking to those who are born of the Spirit. Be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. Pay close attention to what you have heard. And Moses says this, follow the example of Caleb. Deuteronomy 1.36. He will see it and I will give him and his descendants the land he set his feet on because he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding. Acknowledge Him. Not just there, but in all of your ways. And He will make straight your path or He will guide you into the rest of the Father. He will guide you into life everlasting. But if our heart is divided, and listen, we, nobody, no one is perfect here, but if our heart is divided and and, and that is something that we're either embarrassed about or ashamed of or we, we don't want to uh, challenge it. We will not fully enter into the rest of the Lord because we're holding stuff back. Because God's always after our heart. He's after our full worship. Not just a tiny bit, the fullness of it. Why? So that we can enjoy the fullness of covenant relationship. The fullness of being the bride of Christ, which is the church given to the bridegroom, Christ on that final day, white and glorious. God has always been pursuing a people like David who are after his own heart. The challenges to this new generation as they have faced their history and the prospect of stepping in and the challenges to us, whether we be a follower of a Christ recently, still checking Jesus out and not really sure, and if so, come to Alpha tonight, please speak to me, or whether we've been a believer for many years. It should have taken them 11 days, but it didn't. It took them something like 15,490 days. Why? Lack of faith. Did not trust in the Lord. Didn't have eyes of faith. They got to the play, the promised land, to a place called Kadesh in the desert of Param. They paused. They sent in uh, spies from each tribe. They, they returned and says it's a wonderful place, but the people are big. It's a wonderful place, but the walls are big. It's a brilliant place, but you know what? We'd like to vote in this because it's good to be democratic. God's told us to do something, but I think collectively we should make our mind up on that. And it went with the majority. Only Joshua 
And Caleb says, the Lord will give it because he has promised. Which of you, if your child asked for a loaf of bread, would give him a stone? How much more will your heavenly Father give abundantly, and this is my paraphrase, to those who ask? Because he is the good, good Father. That is the faith of Caleb and Joshua. But it was a no-go for that old generation because they lacked faith and they wouldn't be allowed into the promised land. But this wasn't the reason that Moses wasn't allowed in. He disobeyed God much later and God says, do you know what, Moses, you're not going in either. I'll let you see it. But it's a beautiful thing happened because Moses did step into the promised land and we read of it in the transfiguration where he stands, is it Mount Hermon, I think, with Elijah and himself in Jesus. God works in mysterious ways. <laughs> Philippians 3, and I'll end on this, 12 to 14, reads, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Paul says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind my history and straining to what is ahead, the promises of God, I press on towards the goal to which the prize for which, to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. And it is an incredible gift for us to enjoy. And just as the Lord says, here it is, he works in partnership with us that we have to come and take it. What has the Lord promised you? Is it realized that vision, that heart? Is there unbelief? Is there circumstances in life? Is there laziness? Is there rebellion that has stopped you from realizing it? Do you have to lay things down and come and receive what the Lord has given? And it's a bountiful stuff. I don't know your situations. I know for me, as a pastor, my heart is to, to lead and to lead in a, an even keel. Not to be tossed about with the, the waves of ministry. And part of what the Lord has says to me is to rest you must give up. I know for a fact God has said, give up. Just give it up. And let me, part of Stevie Brayshaw's testimony, let me drive. I don't know what yours is, but the Lord speaks and the Lord wants to have an undivided heart and none of us is, is, is there yet. Uh, and we press on. I challenge you to examine your life and press on. Please join us if, if in Alpha tonight. If you want to just check up some things about Jesus and what he says, if you've got opinions, come and bring them. You will not be Bible bashed or any of that sort of stuff. And it's always based around food. It's, listen, it's me and Deirdre, and most part and Collins involved as well, who are going to be trying to lead the facilitate. And if you've got friends you would like to bring along, serious stuff, but how people stand 
in their opinion about Jesus, I implore you to either come or to invite one last time. Turn up at the Deeks' house, 5.30, Lower Oakfield, number nine. Shall we pray? Father, in your mercy, thank you for your goodness to us. In your mercy, thank you that you have got so much for us. Um, Lord, I pray that you would capture us so that we would have an undivided heart. And as we step into this new decade, that we would step into a, a rich life with you. We would step into stuff that just now we couldn't imagine as we trust you for who you are, that you, uh, you are who you are and you, you're not hiding anything. You, you, you've revealed who you are through your son, Jesus, and we found Jesus to be faithful, Jesus to be uh, peaceable, Jesus to be um, fierce, Jesus to be true. And Lord, I pray that we would, uh, in this next year, this next decade, be marked by faithfulness, be marked by growth, um, be marked by a heart which is after your heart. In the name of our Savior Jesus and by your Spirit we pray. Amen. Amen.